Scripture reading this evening will be from 1 Peter 5, verse 10. 1 Peter 5, verse 10. I'll be reading from the New American Standard Version. <clears throat> After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm strength, and establish you. For the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18. What a blessing it is to be able to preach and teach for a group of people that love and want the Bible to be proclaimed. I know that Adam feels the same way. It is a great blessing to preach and teach for a group of people that love and desire the Word of God to be proclaimed. That shows itself in passages that you chose as some of the best-loved passages in the Bible. This morning we looked at 1 John 1 in a lesson that I called Life, Joy, and Light. And I ask you to think about the fact that 1 John chapter 1 really deals with the subject of fellowship and the relationship that God wants to have with each one of us. Open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5, from which Shad just read a few moments ago. The chapter is a short chapter consisting only of 14 verses. And written, of course, by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Peter. First Peter is a book that stresses suffering for the cause of Christ. All five chapters of First Peter deal with suffering and trial for, of Christians and how to do this in a God-honoring way. So suffering and trial, if that's something that you're going through, 1 Peter might well be a good book for you to think about because there are three other terms that are recurring concepts in 1 Peter. Here they are. Salvation, grace, and hope. Even when Christians go through trial and suffering, there's salvation grace, and hope. I believe that every person needs salvation, grace, and hope. Don't you? Every person is going to go through trial and suffering and difficulty, but not every person will do so with the assurance of salvation, grace, and hope. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5. Many people love the Apostle Peter, and I think I can understand why. He's so like many of us. At one moment, Peter can say something or do something that really there's a wow factor to it. What he said or did was amazing and showed tremendous love and trust in God. And maybe even in the same conversation, 
he can be silly putty. A guy that's as solid as a rock one moment can be silly putty at times. Maybe more of us are like that than would like to admit. But what Peter does in 1 Peter 5 is deal with this thought. Rock solid churches. Now I think that Peter would know a little bit about what the church was supposed to look like, don't you? I think that he would have seen some things through his time in serving the Lord as an apostle where the church really stepped up and was all that God wanted her to be. But I suspect he also knew something of discouragement. Hear Peter as he talks about rock-solid churches and how this passage can bless the church here at Westside how it can bless you as an individual child of God. Again, he's writing to a group of people. Notice 1 Peter chapter 4, 12 through 19, that are dealing with trials and suffering. If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Let him glorify God in this behalf. 1 Peter 4, 16. But in discussing rock-solid churches, he's going to offer five qualities. Five qualities of rock-solid churches that would bless all of us. Bless all of our congregations. Now, when we're talking about a rock-solid church, I probably need to define and describe a little bit more what I'm talking about. Peter is talking about healthy churches a term that would be used throughout 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus is the word sound, sound, sound and healthy, stable, rock-solid churches. 1st Timothy 1.3, charge them to teach no other doctrine. 2nd Timothy 1.13, hold to the pattern of sound words, Paul wrote, which you've seen in me, in faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Titus emphasizes the importance of sound and healthy living as God's people throughout its three chapters. Rock-solid churches, qualities of them, number one. Rock-solid churches have strong, godly leaders. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Rock-solid churches have strong, godly leaders. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. Each of the three terms for shepherds are given in 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. Elders. The very term means man of maturity, of spiritual maturity, and of physical maturity. Elders are men of maturity. It's that simple. Just across the board. They're men of judgment and wisdom. That is involved in the term elder. Secondly, the word shepherd is used. Leaders are elders, men of maturity. Leaders are shepherds. They are men of heart. They care about the sheep. 
and long to feed the sheep and lead the sheep in a way that honors God. That brings me to the third term, overseer. This is a term of management. And those individuals that serve as elders in local churches are to be men of spiritual and physical maturity. They're not young bucks. They're men of wisdom and ability. They're men of heart. And they are men who oversee God's people. It is a stewardship that has been committed to their trust as leaders. The Bible means what it says and says what it means about the nature of the men who serve this in this capacity. Now, look at verse 3. There are three knots that every elder should keep in mind. Every shepherd. And when we as the people of God want to have strong, godly leadership, we will pay special attention to these expressions because they are temptations to which elders may fall, but they are temptations that people may get into who will eventually become elders, shepherds. Not out of compulsion. Elders should not serve out of compulsion. Here's what that means. Merely out of duty. Merely out of duty. They need me, therefore I serve. Merely out of duty, but willingly. There is a desire to humbly serve God and to serve His people in this capacity. Notice the next term. Not greedy for sordid gain. In other words, elders do not serve for what they may get out of it concerning profit or pride or prominence. They don't serve to get out of it profit financially. Power, prestige, not greedy for sordid gain. The third term is also significant. Not lording it over. Elders have authority in matters of opinion, in matters of judgment. We ought to respect that as the people of God. But there is a difference in saying that shepherds have authority in matters of personal judgment in a congregation and saying that elders can lord over and be authoritarian. There's a difference in those things. Surely we see that. And so what I'm getting at is this. No elder has the right to become a dominating dictator. That would be a violation of everything 1 Peter 5 and verse 3 talks about. Elders have authority as they work as an eldership. I have always thought that it was appropriate to respect the judgment of an individual elder, but an eldership is where God has vested authority. 
not in any single elder. Now we can continue. What a blessing it is when a congregation has strong, godly elders. And I believe, I submit, that we have just that at Westside. Another quality of a rock-solid church is not just strong godly leadership, but a quality of a rock-solid church is members who display submission and humility. Members who are characterized by submission and humility. Now let me show you what I mean by that, because let's take Jack the opposite of each one of those terms. The opposite of submission is defiance or rebellion. And the opposite of humility is arrogance or pride. I wonder how many churches are ultimately characterized by defiance and rebellion and pride. When God's people ought to be characterized by the opposite. Submission, subjection, has to do with yielding the right of way to God. And it also has to do, notice that the text says, you younger be subject to the elders. Given 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4, maybe there's a tendency sometimes for the younger to think that they know better than the leaders. Watch out for that, the text says. Rock-solid churches are not like that. Rock-solid churches have members who display true submission and humility. Humility is something that I think Adam's been talking about, and I believe Terry did today in Bible class. Uh, but humility is not thinking mean of yourself or poorly about yourself. It's just thinking about others so much you're not thinking about yourself. Submission and humility. Listen to the words of Peter here. Be clothed with humility. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. This submissive, humble mindset that characterizes the members as a whole will show itself in what verse 7 of 1 Peter 5 says. Casting all your care, all your anxieties, all your worries on him. I won't be defiant. I won't be arrogant. I'll cast all my concerns upon the Lord because He cares for you. That brings us to verses 8 and 9, which give us a third quality of rock-solid churches. Again... Rock-solid churches have strong godly leaders. 
We need to do everything that we can to encourage that for the future of Westside. Secondly, rock-solid churches are characterized by people who are submissive and humble to God's will and God's way. Third, rock-solid churches firmly resist the devil. It's right there, isn't it? Rock-solid churches firmly resist the devil. Be sober, be watchful, for your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, goes about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfastly in the faith. Resist the devil firmly. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Ephesians 6 and verse 10. Our sufficiency is not of ourselves, but of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 3, 5. And if it were up to us alone, we would have little chance against so formidable an enemy as Satan. But through Jesus, we can be victorious and we can resist him firmly, steadfastly in the faith. Now think about that. It's about resisting the devil's lies. How about lies about marriage and the family? The people of God should resist the devil's lies concerning marriage and the family. The people of God should resist Satan's lies concerning morality. The people of God should resist the devil's lies concerning the Bible being just another book. Concerning God being one choice among many in a pluralistic world. Concerning the nature of the church. Some would say even people who have a history in churches of Christ that all that we are is another denomination among denominations. I do not believe that nor do I believe that any preacher of the gospel can proclaim that message. We must resist firmly and steadfastly all of Satan's lies. And listen, all while remaining humble and submissive and gracious to all. I say this with kindness. Some churches, I don't believe, have a problem firmly resisting Satan in every way except being proud of how sound they might be and how proud that, that they are stable. So much so that you develop Elijah syndrome and pretty much think I and I only are faithful. I am thankful to be allowed to travel enough to know that there's a lot of people in the United States and throughout the world that love Jesus. And want to only be Christians. Isn't it great that anybody can come to a knowledge of the truth? That anybody can be a Christian only. 
also beware of extremes. That brings me to a fourth quality. It's seen in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10, as well as verse 12. Rock-solid churches trust and stand in the true grace of God. Rock-solid churches trust in and stand in the true grace of God. Oh, the blessings that are ours by being in Christ, Ephesians 1.3. When you think about God's grace, and it's true in 1 Peter, notice 1 Peter 5.10, the God of all grace after you've suffered for a while, will restore you, will confirm you, will strengthen you, will establish you. Man, we can rely on God to see us through, can't we? And we will be better than we were when we began that arduous journey of suffering and trial. This is the true grace of God in which you stand. 1 Peter 5, verses 10 and 12. I want you to know something. Nobody should preach better and preach more about the grace of God and what it really is and what it really does than members of the body of Jesus Christ. Why have we given denominationalists allowance to do that more than us? If anyone should know about God's grace, it's people that have been saved by God's grace and continue to be blessed by His grace through any trial or any type of suffering that may come. I preach long enough, sometimes I just get a little stubborn and determined and obstinate. I know you find that hard to believe because I generally try to be at least a pretty nice person occasionally. But I will not allow anyone to out-preach the character of God over the people of God. And that our God is a God of all grace. And we need to encourage one another to stand in the true grace of God because His grace is all-sufficient. 2 Corinthians 12, 7-9. It is superabundant. 2 Corinthians, uh, uh, rather Romans 5, 15-19. And it is rich. Ephesians 1, 7, last point. Ready? Here's a fifth great quality of rock-solid churches. Focus on the last verse, verse 14. Rock-solid churches are characterized by people who greet, love, and show the peace that's in Christ. Rock-solid churches are characterized by people who greet one another in the Lord, who love one another in the Lord, and who share the peace that's in the Lord with one another. Hey, Danny, Deborah's going to be all right. No matter what ends up happening. Jack, Carolyn's going to be all right no matter what happens. When you look to the Lord and you trust Him, 
there is a sense in which we can greet one another and love one another with this kind of fervent, pure love, 1 Peter 1 verse 22, that will cause us to overlook a lot of things that really are just the little slaps and insults of life. Love covers a multitude of sins, 1 Peter 4, 8. We know that passage means what it says, and yet when we are on the receiving end of one of those slaps or insults, Sometimes we act like we're really suffering in great trial and enduring much for our faith. It shows us to be spiritual pygmies when we allow little things like that to be blown out of proportion. What a great chapter 1 Peter 5 is. Amen. May the church at Westside be known as a strong church that stresses godly, strong, biblical leadership. May we be known as a congregation of people that is submissive and humble to God and to others, wanting God's will to truly be done. May we firmly resist all the ways of the devil and not just some. May we be people that trust in and stand in the true grace of God. And may everybody in the congregation be greeted. Nobody that is our guest should ever leave here ungreeted. Sometimes that's awfully hard to do. But let's make sure that we greet them in the Lord. And let's make sure that we express love in the Lord and peace in the Lord because there's a lot of people that are going through times of trial and difficulty. You've listened well, and my time is gone right about now. But that's because of y'all that we get started. We have few packers and prayers and extra songs, and Thomas led extra verses, and it's all right. Y'all pray for Shuri and me. Tomorrow morning we are getting on a plane and we are going to Florida with the blessing of our elders. Back in early January we celebrated our 40th anniversary. And we are going to get away for that. Don't call unless it's an emergency. <laughs> Adam is right there. There's two elders. If it's an emergency, I understand. I understand. But if I could do one thing over again, and I have a regret in ministry, and I don't have very many, but if I could do one of them over again, I would make sure that I celebrated my marriage more because God gave me a great wife. So, fellas, if you're listening, celebrate your marriage more. After 40 of them, you're kind of thinking you're not going to get as many as you presently got. Many more anniversaries coming, so make the best of them. If you need to respond to the gospel, the lesson is yours. Let us stand and sing.